What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Arnie's. We are two guys combing social media to see what dumb shit Nick Pizzolatto is going to say next. I'm Matt Johnson, and I'm starting a foundation to protect one-eyed polar bears. And I'm Austin Terry, and instead of long strolls on the beach, I enjoy barefoot walks on the frozen sea. Oh, man. No, thank you. I could not do that, Austin. I could not. I simply could not. It seems like every character in the show can. It seems like they want to. <laughs> they thrive in that environment. Um, but yeah, we're back. We're talking about True Detective Night Country once again. We did this a few weeks ago just after the premiere aired, but now all six episodes are out and we're ready to talk through it. Um, I guess, yeah, let's just dive right into it, Austin. Uh, remind me and the audience, kind of where were you standing on this particular season right after that premiere? Yeah, I was really high on the premiere. Uh, I thought the mystery was super engaging. I was loving the setting and kind of the creepy tones and the willingness to lean into that supernatural element that the first season of True Detective captured so well. I will say as the rest of the season went on, um, I think I slowly started to kind of lose interest by the time we got to the finale. I think based on what I've seen online, I stayed engaged longer than the rest of the general public did. Um, but I did definitely start to notice kind of issues with this season. Um, I thought the highlight of the show was the penultimate episode. So the episode right before the finale, I thought it ended on such a good cliffhanger. Um, and then the finale itself, while I thought the performances were great, uh, I found the writing kind of starting to falter. And then the reveals and payoffs to the mysteries that the previous five episodes spent so much time setting up uh, kind of left me underwhelmed. So I thought the majority of the season was pretty good, uh, but really kind of failed to stick the landing for me in the finale. Yeah, I'm not too far off from you. Um, whenever we got into it, I was super vibing with the premiere as well. I really liked kind of the setting in Ennis, Alaska. Just the vibe, the atmosphere was pretty pitch perfect. We talked about some connections to like movies we love, like The Thing, for example, with kind of that initial catalyst of the people in this research station just disappearing. And I did like in the premiere, maybe more so than a lot of people, that they kind of... I would say pretty much right off the bat, they definitely leaned into like, hey, there's been like hints of supernatural stuff in the past or detective seasons, particularly season one. But this one, we're going to fully like dive into that. And I was down for that. I thought that was going to be pretty cool. Love the characters. Jodie Foster and Callie Reese as our leads. I thought, especially as the show went on, I was like, yeah, they, they kind of nailed it with the cast. Yeah, here. they were always great. Um, And for the most part, I still very much liked them as um characters as well, not like outside of the performances. I have some qualms with other people that we'll get into but yeah I'm, i guess i'm a little bit disappointed that i'm kind of in line with you i really wanted to like love this season and i can't go that far i i think i am maybe a little bit higher than you i still think it's like prestige television it looks amazing uh like the the production value on these shows is unbelievable but yeah i don't know i i guess at the end of the day maybe why i'm not quite as lower on it is i was thinking back after the finale without any spoilers but i i will ultimately agree with you that like yeah once we kind of got the payoff and reveals that you would expect from a show like this i was kind of like eh but i thought back to uh seasons 1 and 3 cuz i didn't finish 2 and i loved those seasons but like the mysteries themselves i feel like i don't often like care too much about how they um unravel in these shows like even in something as great as season one and three like whenever they gave us the answer i was kind of like oh okay like th that was always like the thing i cared the least about the show weirdly enough and maybe it kind of stings in this one a little bit more because i think strangely by doing the, the supernatural storyline maybe it drew me in more so i felt more invested uh in the mystery itself at the outset and then i was ultimately left a little bit disappointed but i still think it's worth watching um it's a pretty easy binge it's a little bit shorter than the other season so 
again, kind of like we said in the premiere, if you're somebody that never gave True Detective a chance, obviously you have some great seasons of TV to watch there. But I still think this one is worth watching. Um, kind of disappointed by the mystery, but everything else I still thought was pretty good. From what I have seen of season two, I would confidently put this over that. So it's it's battling for, I guess, I don't know, maybe second place, but I don't I don't I can't put it over season one or three at this time. So but yeah, that's kind of all I can say. A little disappointing, but I still have a lot of good things I want to talk about. Yeah, I don't think I disagree with you too much. I, I think the one thing I would say when it comes to the actual reveal and, and where the mystery led, I think I like the idea of the mystery reveal more than the actual execution. I just yeah. had major issues with how it played out. Um, and then the supernatural stuff, I think the reason why it left me underwhelmed too is they were leaning so heavily into it this season, and then they started to pull back a little bit, and that I just wish they had fully committed. Like I wasn't sure what they were setting up to be out there in the ice, but then once we actually got that mystery, it was like, uh, that's kind of a little disappointing. So a lot of really cool ideas this season. Just, I think, lots of um, writing and execution not supporting the great performances and things like that we are getting from the cast. For sure. For sure. All right. With that, let's go ahead and get into it. Let's uh, drop an official spoiler warning. So if you have not started True Detective Night Country and you have any interest in it, I would say go check it out. I think it's worth watching still. Um, but go do that first and then come on back to listen to the rest of our episode because all those uh, questions and reveals, we're going to kind of dive into it with not having to worry about spoilers. I'm very curious to talk about with Austin what he thinks of the ending reveal in particular. So go watch it and come on back. We'll be waiting for you. All right, Matt, we're officially in spoiler territory, and I want to kind of break form from what we normally do on this podcast. I want to know right off the bat, what was your theory that was out there in the ice? My wife had an interesting theory that I kind of bought into, um, and then we were both obviously completely wrong. So did you have any major theories about what was kind of waiting out there in the ice for our true detectives? I don't know. I mean, for a while, the show is leading me to kind of feel like, oh, maybe I was kind of right whenever we were talking about the premiere. I was wondering, you know, like we said, it, they were definitely leaning supernatural. But I remember we were talking the premiere. I was like, so is this you know, we were joking about how much we like something like the thing. I was like, so what actually is this this thing? You know, no pun intended. But like I, and then once they started kind of talking about the purpose of the station being like, you know, harvesting this DNA. I was like, yeah. oh, so is it like a creature? Like I was maybe wondering, is it like some prehistoric person gone mad or something? <laughs> like I had no idea what it was. Um so, yeah, what was the theory you were uh, saying that you guys were wrong about? Yeah, I think we were on the same lines. But uh, once we like saw the Annie K video and it made it seem like there was a creature in the ice with her, my wife was like, I wonder if it's like a Wendigo or something like that. Just mm. some weird like ice monster out there waiting for these people that was just buried in the caves. Yeah, yeah. I, I was definitely for a long time. I felt like, oh, I, are they just like kind of tipping their hand? It's like, oh, yeah, we were doing there was the microorganism we were trying to get the dna i was like oh so is it gonna be like some like monster thing by the finale? yeah um, and i was actually like the more i bought into it i was like man i can't wait to see like jodie foster's character have to come to terms with there is a creature out there because she's so like anti-spiritual stuff and uh and so i think just with all that build up and ties to like visions and like characters like dead characters reanimating and saying things like all that stuff and then leading to just oh, the scientists actually did kill Annie Kay, um, and then the women of the town kind of extracted their revenge. Like, the ideas of all that, especially the women of the town, like, getting their version of justice, like, that idea is such a cool idea, mm -hmm. but then the execution within the context of the show, I think, is what really started to disappoint me. 
Yeah, I'm kind of with you. Like, it's weird. Like, obviously, it was very supernatural. And because they leaned into that so heavily, like, as early as the premiere, I do think ultimately it kind of ended up being weird. That really, I mean, what happened in regards to her and, and like, the scientists and all that, like, I guess what ended up happening to them, right, you, like, you, you're right, it's like a form of justice. There are supernatural elements. But really, at the end of the day, it was just like, oh, you know that, yeah, they killed her. I was like, oh, okay. So yeah. it wasn't fully as supernatural as I as I felt the show was kind of setting up. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Yeah, and all the supernatural stuff like kind of just ended up tying back to Navarro's mental health too, with right. all of her visions and her brain kind of tricking her. Which early on in the show, they were very like clear with like Fiona Shaw's character, Rose in particular, talking about like I think she even like almost verbatim said something like, Don't, you know, mistake these like visions and things that we're talking about with mental health. And obviously I think it was intentional to have Navarro have this mental health heavy plot line with her sister as well. So they, they were definitely purposefully playing with that balance. Some In some ways it worked well, in some ways I think you're right. It does feel like at the end of the day, the supernatural stuff really was tying mostly to her. Uh, but since she's one of our main characters, I think we got enough out of it. But yeah, I, I was disappointed with with the with the ultimate reveal as well. And I think, want to kind of pick your brain here. I, th- I think it it's weird to say because I was so high on it in the premiere. I just thought it was so cool how they showed the, like a quick glimpse of the daily life of this research station. And then it's just like a snap of the finger. And like the next time we're there, nobody's there. It's like, what the fuck happened? And then like as the show went on and the more and more I realized, oh, we're really like diving heavy into the scientists as characters. And there's a lot of them. And it's like, oh, I guess they they weren't good people, I guess. So like the more the more it became apparent that like, oh, we're really like. The scientist thing wasn't just, how do I want to say it? Like, that wasn't just like a cool vibe to start the show. It ended up being incredibly like, oh, wow, okay, we're going to this well a lot. And I guess just a lot of that stuff I, I found not really that exciting. And I didn't really care about many of those characters as like potential antagonists or maybe they're red herrings. Like, I, either way, I just didn't really find myself caring that much. And we talked about it a lot too uh, in the premiere with um, Annie Kay's lover, Clark. Like, the way he was convulsing and said, like, she's awake. Like, we were wondering, like, what did they do? Why did this guy say that? Like, that was the line that kind of stood out from the premiere. So they were seeding some things there. Um, but then even when you think about, okay, all the women busted in and forced him to go onto the ice, like, how did this guy know to run and take shelter in the caves? Like, all that stuff really didn't have a payoff other than just, like, she was talking to me. And so are you supposed to believe that all the spiritual stuff is actually out there affecting people or, or people losing their minds? Like, there was never really like a stance. I felt like I kind of just kept towing the line of it could be real. It could not be real. Like, I mean, we saw it clearly affect other characters. So I think we're supposed to believe that, yes, there was something real going on there. Um, or at least like something that was physically supernatural happening. So I feel relatively confident in saying that. But at the end of the day, and I don't think I'm going to be alone on this, the choice to make this season in particular have a pretty ambiguous ending in that regard, kind of to what you're talking about, like not taking a stance between what actually is happening, or even you, a stance could have also been to clearly establish that it was both to happening to different people. I think that would have been fine, too. But yeah, I, I think the fact that they went down the supernatural route, they're like, yes, this is true detective. It's back. Um, it's going to be different. We're going to lean more into the supernatural. But at its core, it still is that same kind of gritty detective show where we're going to have a big mystery at the heart of it. I think of th- this of all seasons was not the one to be ambiguous, I think, especially when you're introducing all these things. Uh, the other ones, if they had done that, it would have been fine because like those were pretty much like straightforward, you know, like murder mysteries, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, here I thought it just wasn't a great choice. And I think that's kind of why I've been hearing that a lot of people are in particular not super happy with the finale itself, uh, because that's where that all comes to a head. We're kind of left hanging on a lot of things, which I found disappointing. 
So let's dive in a bit more into the actual answer to the mystery of the women of the town taking their justice and uh, figuring out what happened to Annie Kay and then forcing the scientists to walk out onto the ice. Did it make sense to you how they figured out that the scientists were guilty? Because I, I get that they kind of all worked in the stations and they had ac- a little more access to their files and things like that. But I know they discovered the hatch and I guess they just went down and found the notes. But the way the women actually connected the dots there felt a little clunky to me, too. I, like, I didn't think it was bad, but it was just clunky to a point where I was asking myself, so how did they do that? And I guess we're just supposed to accept that they did. <laughs> and then, you know, they just tell us that. But yeah, again. I, guess, I mean, I guess I liked how kind of, you know, taking, I mean, it's very different, but like the idea of them taking the justice and then it's like that kind of leads to, you know, closing the case and kind of maybe falsifying some things. I did like how that tied to some of the cool stuff that I did like that was being revealed about Navarro and Danvers past when it came to Wheeler, I want to say, yeah, maybe was Wheeler. the name, with, you know, what happened there. And that was that was some ambiguity that I did like. I like how it wasn't, it was never like 100%, 100%. Uh, then I guess it kind of is by the end with like the Navarro reveal, but still like the way they were handling that. I liked how that element of the story kind of, you know, with like the falsifying stuff and like closing the case and all that, but like doing it for maybe a noble reason. I liked how that connected to uh, the women's like reveal at the end. But yeah, so I, again, it's one of those things I think you already said it. It's like on paper, I really liked that a lot. Uh, it's just the execution of it was often kind of strange, especially as the show went on. I think the moment where I knew it was going to be unsatisfying was... There was a point in the show where Danvers and Navarro are looking out at the Northern Lights, and I kind of paused and checked, and there's 18 minutes left in the finale. And at this point in the show, all of their suspects are dead, that they've either shot and killed, or other people have shot and killed, so they don't have any leads anymore, and there's 20 minutes left for the season, and and at that point I was like, oh man, they're going to do something weird to very quickly wrap this up and put a bow on it. And that's kind of exactly what happened. It was a very rushed finale into... Navarro says something that triggers Danvers' mind to go run and find a handprint on this door, and then it, it leads them back to the women, and, and then it all ties up very quickly. And I almost wish there had been like maybe an eight-episode season to kind of spend more time flushing out that mystery and maybe seeding more things to make the revealing feel more satisfying, but it did also come off as very rushed to me, too, when the credits started rolling. Yeah, I mean, I think the way you phrased it, you know, it was rushed, and then they put a nice bow on it. I mean, that's... I don't know if there's any other way to really describe it. I mean, that's like, like literally like what, what, it, what it feels like is happening on screen. The way you're watching it is like, it just, like you said, it's like, it, she's literally rushed into figuring this out by like some random like thing. Like you said, that triggers her mind. And then it's like, Oh, and then like, within like a couple minutes, it's like, Oh, they're giving us the reveal and like the wrapping up of that, which I thought was weird and annoying. But then they go immediately from that to like those last few minutes you're talking about is, I don't think it was like cheesy, but it is just like, okay, let's do like the typical thing of like, we're going to, you know, flash around and show you all of our characters. What what are they? What have they been up to over the last few months post this you know reveal? And then it's like okay, and then the credits roll. So like you're right. It's like literally it was rush at the end, and then they put a nice bow on it by showing you all your favorite characters. <laughs> <laughs> so talking about kind of that moment where they put a bow on it, I think for me it felt like the thing that Lopez and the team, the writing team, cared more about were the characters themselves, not really the mystery. And I think kind of when you watch the show that's what comes through. It just seems like the most interesting stuff is whenever we're just having the characters talk to each other and kind of um dig into their past to kind of understand them better. Like that was always the most interesting stuff I thought. And it, it almost feels like the writers like kind of knew that while they were doing it. It's like because all the all the stuff that got like high marks for me was the character stuff and then the mystery was like the thing that I ended up liking the least, like I mentioned. But 
I mean, did you want to talk about any like kind of favorite character arcs or just like storylines and then all that good stuff since, you know, that's kind of how the show ends with like kind of checking in on everybody? Yeah, it's probably worth doing some shout outs here. Yeah. Uh, of course, I thought our leads were great. Uh, Jodie Foster as Danvers and Callie Reese as Navarro. The guy that really came to stand out to me, though, was uh, Finn Bennett as yeah. Peter Pryor. Um, I thought everything he was wrestling with was trying to be a good cop and be loyal to Danvers and also balance his family life. Like I became very attached to this character as the season went on. And um, I thought the situation that he was put in in this season was the most interesting to me. Yeah, it's crazy to look back at the premiere, even just like five episodes ago and kind of like see where especially just like the whole father son story ended up. But I'm glad it ended that way. I'm glad they kind of committed to that. And yeah, I, I definitely think that character will be the highlight for a lot of at least not, not a highlight. Cause I still think probably Callie Reese is the highlight, but um, she's great. Yeah, definitely. Like she, I think she's the best part of the show, both character and performance. But yeah, I, I think people, a lot of people I never would have guessed that Peter Pryor would have, you know, made such an impact. Not a negative shout out. It's more just like a personal disappointment because I love uh, Christopher Eccleston and everything. I just kind of thought, eh, kind of a waste. Not really anything super interesting there. Whenever we got into like the, the reveal of this affair between people that don't really seem to like each other, I was like, oh, I wonder where they're going to go with that. And the answer was not really anything super impactful. I was kind of surprised why. I don't know. I feel like a lot of those characteristics could have just been folded into John Hawks's character somehow. Um, I wasn't sure why it ended up being like a a wholly new character. Yeah, the character of Connolly represents a lot of other kind of minor things I have with this season that bothered me. He just was such a tropey, like detective cliche of like, oh no, he's the captain that's a little corrupt and he's gonna shut this investigation down. And we've like we've seen that so many times. And of course, tying back to the mine and a company that has their own financial interests at taking advantage of the town. Like there was a lot of little things in this show that are done okay. They're done fine. Um, but it's also just nothing new that we haven't seen in other detective shows, too. Yeah, and that's always such a tricky balance, because like whenever you have something that feels fresh and different or just kind of like a different enough take on something that's like, you know, popular and established, it is weird whenever like you get characters like that that are just like the definition of a trope. It's like, what was the purpose of this? Like, this is just isn't good. And we've seen it a million times. So it's like, why did we even introduce this element into something that already felt kind of fresh? Like, why throw something in that's like so overdone? And it, it even gets to the point where it just keeps getting more and more overdone because then the reveals like not only is like there a corruption aspect, but of course, then they have to reveal uh, that Connolly basically knew all the stuff that like was going on. Like he was in on it, essentially. It's like, OK, so we're, we're just like we keep getting more and more tropey somehow. Some of these things. I know you mentioned Navarro as a standout. Do you want to say more about her? Yeah, I, I just really enjoyed the performance so much. Uh, it's always fun when somebody that you've never like seen in anything kind of uh, just comes out as the lead in something and they just kill it to the point where you, you're so excited to see what they do next. But yeah, I, I really do think that that's just the heart of the show. And I think that was on purpose and intentional. I think that's why it connected with me and why I'll, probably with a lot of people, it's just the push and pull. It's like, yes, she is kind of, she makes sense in the world of true detective. She does kind of fit the bill as like these typical detective characters that we've seen. So it like doesn't stand out in a negative way there but also just like a very tender character as well. So I like kind of that push and pull, that dichotomy a little bit. I really liked her family storyline. I thought that was pretty soul crushing when her sister dies um, and the reaction to that. But I, and then I just also, I, I always loved seeing her interact with um, the rest of like the main and supporting cast. Like there was just some good relationships that were already established, like hers with Rose, for example, Fiona Shaw's character. I enjoyed watching. Um, 
And then, yeah, and then watching like her relationship kind of bud with someone like Danvers or Peter, for example, is just it was just so like fun to watch. And I think the reason why it stands out even more as a positive to me is because once you kind of accept that maybe this mystery isn't going to be all that, um, unfortunately, uh, you kind of just latch on to the things that are like very obviously like really good. So that, that it was easy to like to root for her and like kind of get attached. Yeah, Callie Reese stole the show. Um, and I think that's the ultimate compliment because she's outshining an A-lister like Jodie Foster, who's also great. Um, mm-hmm. It's so clear to me that uh, Navarro, the character of Navarro, is the one that Isa Lopez, our showrunner and director, like really put a lot of time into fleshing out. Like That character is so interesting and so dynamic, and she does still fit the bill of some traditional detective tropey things, but at the same time, her character is also balancing being a member of this indigenous community also being a police officer who historically has not had good relationships with the indigenous community of this town and trying to toe that line too. So and also trying to get justice for the murders of indigenous women cases who are historically also overlooked in Alaska. So there's so much going on with Navarro. And I think that's the reason why not only does Callie Reese nail the performance, but the writing there is so good that it causes that character to stand out even further. Yeah. And I think it's also a testament to what we were kind of talking about as a negative earlier, uh, having somebody like Christopher Eccleston come in and just do a really kind of play play a character that we've seen a billion times. And I mean, I guess maybe the writing for Jodie Foster's character is just a lot better because it doesn't stand out negatively there. But I mean, that's also a very tropey character. I guess all of these are to a degree, of course, in anything. But um, like she's kind of the not really down on her luck detective or anything, but she's somebody that like stands firm where she is. But then she like this is the one case that kind of um, I don't really know how to. It's like it's forcing her to confront maybe past misdeeds or just like trauma in the past. So we see that in every, like all these types of things, too. So I think uh, Navarro as a character stands out because it doesn't really feel like something that you see as much in shows like this. And I think leaning into her personal life and family life as well, um, in addition to kind of like uncovering the trauma from her past and that past case in particular that ties into this. Yeah, it just really felt like a good balance of something that does feel very true detective but also feels kind of more new, more fresh, a fresher take in kind of the detective world. I really, yeah, just they kind of nailed that balance. Yeah, so I'm curious, moving on from the characters, um, this may be a nitpicky thing, I'm not sure, but to me, something that did stand out is the overall like structure and flow of the season. Um, I, I, I did feel like the show failed to get into a rhythm. There was a lot of times where like I'm watching an episode something really important happens the music swells i think we're heading to like credits rolling on the episode and then there's like 20 minutes remaining in a single episode like just little things like that where i'm getting into the show and then like something weird takes me out of it and i have to like kind of struggle to get back into being bought into the season did anything like that stand out to you yeah definitely um it wasn't a huge negative but the episodes did feel long to me and i knew going in that they would be most of it would be an hour or an hour plus um, and that's kind of, that's like a lot of HBO stuff. So that's that didn't bother me at the outset. But yeah, just like while actively watching, it's like, oh, yeah, these do feel kind of long. And you're right. I think the the pacing was a little bit off sometimes because I did the same thing as you. It was like I would get to many points where like that music is swelling. You're getting hyped for this cliffhanger that feels like it's going to be really awesome. And then you realize, oh, that scene ends. And maybe it's like a good scene or bad. It doesn't really matter. It's not the point. And then we go on for like 20 more minutes. Like you said, it's just, yeah, there was something odd about the pacing, which I think makes it also stand out like strangely that they chose to make the six as opposed to the eight that all the other seasons had. Um, I don't know. Maybe it would have worked better if there was a way to kind of chop it up a bit and stretch it out to eight episodes and make each episode like 45 minutes instead of like an hour or hour plus. I don't know. 
Um, not a huge thing, but I do agree with you. There, there was something off structurally. Um, and it probably doesn't help whenever like you have, you know, someone like Connolly come in as this new character who isn't in their premiere. And then that kind of takes, I don't know, just takes time away from the more interesting stuff going on with like a Danvers and Navarro or just the mystery as it's being set up in general. And then like not, not a major negative, but just based on how the show is playing out and like having like the character of Annie, like knowing, um, kind of their past it did seem weird the amount of time we spent with danver's daughter who is just yeah it, it, i agree it, with that it, it just seemed it's getting to a point where we keep cutting back to it and you just have to wonder like this is i know this is a kid you know they're a teenager so it's like they're young like they're trying to figure it out but um this is just objectively dangerous what you're doing and like we the audience feel like maybe we know more than they do because it's like our characters getting killed for what <laughs> she's doing <laughs> so yeah, I, I think whenever like kind of that stands out to you negatively and then you keep spending more time on it as the episodes go on, it also contributes to like a off pacing just because you don't you don't love all the storylines going on. So it's a mix of a few things. But yeah, it stood out to me, too. Yeah, I think if we we're only ever going to have six episodes for this season, um, as interesting as some of the stuff with Leia was, I think that's the storyline you cut and then reallocate time to like maybe see the women of the town in a little bit more or just yeah, flesh out good. the supernatural stuff or maybe I like. I think it's just a reallocation of time thing. There was a few other things too that stood out. Like I did for the most part really like Navarro and Danvers relationship, but there was a lot of times where they'd be having a conversation where it felt like their relationship's building. And then like a second later, one of them is going like, oh, fuck Danvers. Like, and so that would kind of take me yeah. out of it. There's also just conflicting things that would happen with their characters. Like the thing that stands out to me in the finale is whenever they have um, the main guy tied up and Navarro asks him like did you love annie and she doesn't like his answer and she's about to shoot him and danvers walks away and kind of gives her permission to kill him and then she doesn't end up killing him and then later on she lets the guy die in the ice and then danvers is upset that navarro killed the guy like things like that were like whoa you like that feels so jarring to me like why are you mad about this yeah there there was weird editing things in regards to that ah, that's, yeah i don't know i don't know why it stood out to me too because i know lots of movies and tv and just media in general do that like the whole like the idea of like killing someone for that type of thing is like sometimes you root for it and sometimes even if you're not rooting for it the way they handle it here where it's just such a back and forth it's like oh he does end up dead but now i guess we're pissed off about it. Like, i don't know <laughs> it, it was very odd um also what do you think about like um we talked about peter Pryor a lot um very fun character what do you think of like ultimately kind of i wouldn't even really call it downfall because it seems like hank was again like Connolly in on in this too to a degree so what would you kind of think of the vilification and reveal of him i guess we kind of suspected that didn't we talk about that in the, in the premiere we were like i think this guy's probably gonna be bad <laughs> yeah no we did um i thought john hawks was really great because i really hated this character by the time we got to uh the fifth episode where he ends up biting the dust um and i think a lot of that his performance he just like really wore me down and maybe dislike him in a great way the thing that i think is disappointing when you think about hank Pryor is we of course find out he's corrupt and and doing things to benefit uh, the mine and things like that. But he has that conversation with the leader of the mine, and then we never figure out why he's really doing anything. And we also never see the mine character like after that scene when they're in the car together. So yeah. th that feels like a plot hole to me of just like that was one thing that was never tied up is we never really got Hank's motivation other than he wanted to be chief. I think that was it. It just seemed like he was in it for like some promotion. But again, that was the exact same reveal with Connolly. So that, that was another thing that made me go, why? Why are these two different characters? Um, I don't know. Whatever. But yeah, I, I'm with you there. Like the whole mind stuff got a little bit lost for me. 
Um, and maybe it's just like those time, those types of storylines and anything is just personally that never really connects with me super easily. Um, so I don't know. I just didn't really care about that. I didn't catch this either, but I was reading online that I guess the mines like holding company and has ties back to the season one company. And they did, right. they did like a lot of weird things to connect the dots to the season one. Yeah. And I guess the big one is that they, they revealed that, uh, I can't remember his name, Travis, maybe whoever Rose's husband is. Uh, the ghost from the first episode, and then we get more of him in episode two. I can't remember if there was anything after that. But they said that he is Travis Cole. He's Rust Cole's father from Matthew McConaughey from season one. It's like there are some like fun like th- those are the things that Nick Pizzolatto got really pissed off about. <laughs> yeah, I was also reading that Isa Lopez never intended for this to be a true detective show. Like she wrote the story, and then HBO was like, "Hey, make it true detective." So. The things that feel clunky, I think, with tying it back are those things that she kind of had to add in, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. didn't bother me. Um, but unfortunately, Nicholas was bothered by it. And he probably won't work again. <laughs> He's going <laughs> to hire you now. Also, why are you mad that people are making True Detective? Did you try and make another one? Or were you done with season three? It didn't seem well, like he's also a producer on season four, so he's still getting paid yeah. for True Detective. Yeah. Hmm. It's also the most viewed season of True Detective ever. So Which is cool. And obviously they renewed it for season five with um Isla Lopez coming back. I don't know if she'll direct all the episodes again. Um, but definitely that team is coming back. Would you I mean, would you want to see something wildly different from this team? Um, not necessarily even just location wise, but kind of since it is this team, do you think they do supernatural again? Do you want that? Or do you want to kinda of go back to how a more traditional true detective story from the previous seasons? I think I want the supernatural stuff, but only if they're actually going to commit to it instead of kind of toe that line again. Um, I'm excited that Isla Lopez is getting another chance. I think she did have some interesting writing things that were contributed specifically to our main characters. So I'm excited to see what she can do uh, with another season um, and maybe kind of learn from some of the things that didn't work in this season. Obviously, they'll change location. They'll change cast again, like True Detective always does. I, I mean, at its core, True Detective is a murder mystery show. So as long as there is an interesting, intriguing murder... Um, that kind of keeps me wanting to watch week after week. Like, I'm definitely going to keep tuning in. Um, I've always loved True Detective, and despite the ending of this one not being where I wanted it to be, the journey to get there was still overall pretty good. I agree. Yeah, if they do Supernatural again, I, I hope they commit a bit more to it or just do something different. But yeah, I'm curious what the next location would be. They went like so like opposite of everything else with Alaska, so I'd be curious what they cook up next. Um, Danvers had her Hawaii mug at the end. True. Are they going to Hawaii? That could be a tea. Um, but yeah, I'm, even though I'm, I was a little bit down on this season, by the end of it, like I said, it still has so many good things, especially character-wise and acting. So they still kept that, you know, the core of the series intact. So I'd be curious who they cast next and what it looks like. But I'm, I'm glad that Ice Lopez is coming back and doing another season. I think that'll be fun. That'll be cool. All right, awesome. This was a fun one. Uh, I feel like we kind of talked through it pretty quick. So I guess we were, we were very decisive, very professional of us. But yeah, I guess we'll uh, start closing out here. Is there any kind of just like last button you want to put on there before we close out or kind of good? Yeah, I think last button would be I, I don't want to get lost. Well, I did find the conclusion a little disappointing. Uh, the mystery did keep me engaged and there was one reveal we didn't spend too much time on. But the reveal when you find uh, the trailer uh, where the one guy lived with like all the symbols and things like yeah. that covered in the snow. That's when I was like, oh, OK, we're in we're in two detective that now. Like that setting was so creepy. So lots of really cool moments. I uh, didn't necessarily stick the landing. But like I said earlier, I think the journey to get to the finale was overall still engaging for five weeks. And then the six weeks kind of let you down. So, yeah, still a majority success, I'd say. I agree. Majority success for sure. Um, 
I think this is a I know I know some people are like way, way, way more high on it than we are. And then I think there's some people that really just maybe they're not low on it, but I do know some people as well that kind of just stopped watching, kind of fell off of it, like you said. But yeah, so I guess we're a little bit in the middle. But I still think it's a worthy addition to the rest of the seasons. I think uh looking at them like side by side and just like the premise and what worked and what didn't, all the seasons have pros and cons. Uh, so I think this one fits in quite nicely. And I think it might even be remembered even better than it is now. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe I'll revisit it one day. But yeah, I'm excited for more. I'm excited for this team to come back. I think season five will be a fun one. Uh, I look forward to talking about it. But yeah, that's all I got. I never thought a spiral could be so creepy, but symbol got creepier and creepier the it more did. it popped up. It did. All right, awesome. Well, before we officially close out, let's do some Arnie's Podcast Awards. The part of our show where we take something from the thing we just watched. It can be positive, negative, or something in between. It just has to be something that we think deserves an award of some kind. So, Austin, what you got today? Yeah, I'm going to give uh, the Worst Resting Place Award. Uh, Navarro beautifully spreads her sister's ashes in the frozen sea, um, and then five minutes later, Hank Pryor hides his father's body in that same spot. And it's mm. like, I guess now these two spirits are resting together for eternity, a creepy old man and a, a sad sister. So it's like, wow, what a, what a terrible resting place so to spend eternity. It's so beautiful. It's always going to be a tough resting place when you have to like violently crack open ice before you can like dump ashes. Yeah, into the I was thinking water. like, <laughs> what a weird place to bury your loved one. All right, <laughs> and then later just cover up a murder. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, my award ties into something I'm surprised we haven't talked about yet. I thought it was like so creepy when it happened, and then when it got like called back in later episodes, I do admit that I did kind of laugh and found it comical. It is really funny to me that. And I guess I'm just going to call it the oopsie award because that really is how it was treated in the show. But whenever like they're looking at the bodies in the ice, I think in like the second episode, <laughs> one of the guys just accidentally rips an hand off and the guy wakes up. <laughs> it's like, oh, shit, not only are you not dead, but I just ripped off one of your arms. And I just I, I laughed later in a different episode when they were like, he's awake and we had to amputate the other one. <laughs> Um, but ultimately, I guess that guy kind of deserved it because later in the in the show, he was the one I believe where they just cut to um, him stabbing our victim over and over again. So I yeah. guess he got what he deserved. He had one arm ripped off and the other was amputated, and then he died shortly after. So there you go. Speaking of pieces of bodies, they really never put a button on why the tongue was there. They kind of just let that one go. Did that tie into like the indigenous thing? Because wasn't the whole thing with that like that was it reminded Navarro of the first murder? So is it possible that the women did that as a symbol of some kind but then know. they also say like that's not part of our story that's oh, part of right. your story huh okay yeah you're right i have no idea then <laughs> <laughs> all right well before we scratch our brains too hard trying to think of where that dang tongue came from let's go ahead and close out thank you all so much for listening if you enjoyed this episode make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss our upcoming content also, please share us with your friends if you enjoyed this episode. We really would appreciate it to continue to grow our show. Please leave us reviews as well. Even if you want to write anything, leaving us a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever your podcasts really does help us out. At The Arnie's is our social, and thearnies.media is the website. We'll be back next Tuesday with another episode. Keep in mind, everybody, we do want to hear from you. So please send us a message on Instagram at The Arnie's or email us, thearniesmedia at gmail.com. What did you think of True Detective Night Country? Where does this rank among the other seasons for you? Would you bury your loved one in a frozen pond? Anything you say, we'll read on the show and react to it live in our latest episode. That's right, everybody. Have a good one. Austin, if I'm not mistaken, I believe next week's review is finally Dune Part 2, correct? 
Are we going to get the uh, the special popcorn buckets <laughs> with the sandworm coming out that you have to reach in, pass their teeth, and then pull your hand out as it drags against you with a handful of popcorn? Maybe. It seems like a terrible customer experience, but I hope I get it. That would be so fun. All right. Well, we'll be back next time with Dune Part 2. We're so thrilled for that. That's going to be a fun one. I, I keep hearing more and more great things, so I'm very... It's hard not to get super hyped, so I'm excited for that one. That'll make for a great episode. And well, yeah, like I said, everybody have a great week. We'll talk to you then. Time is a flat circle. <laughs> <laughs>